Atheist Nomads, episode 108, news for August 20, 2015. Atheist Nomads is proudly brought to you by Archway Hosting. Check out their low-price, full-featured hosting solutions at archwayhosting.com. That's A-R-C-H-W-A-Y hosting.com. Hey, we're also brought to you by listeners just like you. Find out how you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash atheist nomads. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Atheist Nomads. The podcast you're about to listen to includes cursing and talking about hoo-hahs. Please be advised. We are the Atheist Nomads bringing you history, science, politics, religion, and interviews with leaders in the atheist community. Not all those who wander are lost. Welcome to another episode of Atheist Nomads. This is episode number 108. 108. I am Dustin. Joining me in studio is Lauren. I like to interrupt, like an interrupting cow. And all the way from Bremerton, Washington, Wesley. So, have you ever heard of a old guy named Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yeah, there's a song about this town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Mm. Big Butts Town? Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> but <clears throat> the song is called Bremlow, and uh, I'll let you guys look it up, because I'm not going to tell you about it. All right. Oh, and I, I said where Wesley is. I didn't say where we are. We're, we're at our, our home studio in Boise, Idaho. Boise! Boise. Boise. There's a Boise. shirt out now that helps correct your incorrections. Yes, it has an S. There is no Z. Boy, as in male. C, as in look. Boise. Yeah. That's how we tell the Californians and scorn them with looks of hatred. It's like organ is like the organ in, you know, like, like a liver, not Oregon. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like Oregon. More like horny gone. <laughs> And Washington doesn't have an R in it. Wash. Washington. Yeah. Anyway. Or they uh, wash their apples. How have you been uh, there, Wesley? Well, I actually, like 20 minutes ago, locked my keys in my truck. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I have a ladder and crawled in through my, my bedroom window and got the spare key. Hooray. Yeah. And then forgot to turn on a certain piece of equipment. Oh, that is true. <laughs> he was frazzled. Okay. Frazzled. Yeah. And here I was blaming Windows 10. No, yeah, no. Windows no. 10's been great. Seriously, smooth as fuck. That's right. Love you it. heard it here, folks. I am the end-all, be-all Windows 10. Get it. If you're on 8, fuck, just get 10. <laughs> Other than that, my my desktop's staying on 7 for now, even though it's getting a pop-up. Yeah, and uh, here we've got fire. <laughs> Lots of fire. Burning 18, the people. Yeah, right now the... Uh, Burning The foothills are, are silhouettes. Great. Yeah, and they're they're normally very very visible because yeah, you know, we're on the end of town near the foothills and they rise right. right up from the edge of town and yeah. Right. So the air is brown because of smoke and not because of dust. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, really is it's it's different. <laughs> we're not used to this. Yeah. Well, yeah. So Actually it happens go, every it summer, like but this one's particularly bad. They're burning my rocks, man. They're burning my rocks. And it's most of the smoke is from a grass fire, so yeah. 
it doesn't really smell like a campfire or barbecue. Nah, that just smells shitty. Just yeah. death. Just yeah. death of all my jaspers and agates. And, and you know, burning cheatgrass. Petrified wood. Yeah. <laughs> I got petrified. Actually, never mind. The first rain that hits will actually uncover all of that stuff and make rock hounding really easy. Uh Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, Our special topic today, kind of moving along the theme we have been on, and then we will be moving on to a different theme after this one, hopefully, unless you have any questions around, you know, origin myths. Uh, Creationists rely on the flood story to try to explain everything they don't just use God did it for. The belief is that there was no oceans, continents, mountains, or rain, and that there was a dome of water over the earth and a very substantial amount of water under it. Then when God decided that the time had come to give genocide a try, the dome of water began to rain down and the fountains of the deep burst open. Wait, what? So all the water ever was up in the air? Or underground. They don't know which, but... Some was underground and some was in the air. And they actually got the first, you know, that all that water under this under the earth. They got that part right. But I mean, water does come from underground and springs, and and it does come from above and rain. But like a dome of it just hanging there. Yep. Is that what makes the sky blue? <laughs> no, no, it was a, a dome of water that would trap. Uh, like one explanation I've. I've Okay, a bit of craziness I've heard is because, you know, Adam was supposedly really tall, like 18 feet tall. That would have been possible. And the reason why dinosaurs were so big is because uh, with that dome of water, it was able to trap a lot of, of oxygen. So we had higher oxygen levels. So animals and humans could grow bigger. When talking about fantasy, don't try to mix in some real science. It just makes it sound crazier. They always mix in real science. That's awesome. Yeah. And crazy. Yeah. I love it. And and so then, yeah, when the fountains of the deep burst open, they cut the continents, which is where we get continental plates, allegedly. And (laughs) giants did it. Og. (laughs) And the, the flooding drowned every living thing and all the water swirling around formed mountains. Uh, the, Continents getting jostled around from all the water flowing up from underneath them also would have caused some some mountains as well. And all of this flooding and, and moving around of, of dirt also buried the remains of all of the animals while they were still fresh and not decayed. I see where that comes from now. And then with so much water over the ground, the weight created enough pressure to create all the fossils, oil, and coal. In separate le- layers. Well, the, before we get to that, okay. the, uh, th- there have been attempts to create oil and coal with pressure. It takes a lot, a lot more than a few miles of water. And God's fist punching the ground? Yeah, otherwise there, you could drop something in the Mariana Trench and it would fossilize or turn into oil. And that doesn't really happen. The Mariana Trench. Death Clock fans out there, come on. And raise the horns. The fossils all just <laughs> happen to line up in just the right order because the simpler life forms weren't able to try to escape. Apparently, the mountains were forming almost immediately, so there was higher ground to try to go to. Uh, and that, oh or they were just denser and they just sunk to the ground. Oh my God. And got buried. Or the bigger creatures fell on top of the littler ones when they died. Mm hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, oh, hey, okay. I, I solved so, it. Fuck. Backpedaling a little bit. 
everything living died in this flood, except for those that were saved. Yes. The chosen. <laughs> that yep. including plants. Yep. Aquatic plants were yep. dead. A fish are exempt. Fish, fish. Sh- actually should have, some of them died, I guess. Oh my God, Noah must have had a wicked aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> now, when, you, when your starting point is the infallible word of God, then this all fits together. And everything that doesn't fit must be discarded because it's just, you know, scientists misinterpreting things. They're just wrong. Those silly scientists. Yeah. Trying to prove shit. Uh-huh. And, and they're worthy of, of pity and prayer, much like when I was a, a young lad, I would watch one of my favorite shows, Bill Nye the Science Guy, and I prayed for him. <laughs> yeah. You know, I bet if you told him that, he would actually, like, kind of appreciate it from, like, the understanding the naive point yep. of view of a child yeah it's quite sweet when you think about it yeah and, and there's there's a lot of christians though who do think that this is this view is bullshit uh, but it is in the book and if all scripture was inspired by god then why was something so ridiculous included and while i personally actually do prefer those liberal christians who reject creationism in the flood since they don't fight teaching real science and a lot of them are also more liberal on issues like contraceptives and gay rights. I also have less respect for them since why reject some unscientific bullshit like a 6,000-year-old earth and a global flood, but not a virgin birth and people coming back from the dead? Seeing it like that, it Hollywood crazy. Hollywood has made zombies so cool that people can't, they, they just, <laughs> they believe it now. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's the, that's the argument, you know, the, the, Nitpicking. Cherry picking. Cherry picking, yes. Much nicer than picking nits. Nits are gross. Yes. yes. Well, somebody has to pick them. Gross. <laughs> you don't want to leave them, do you? Ew, no. It's good, useful group bonding for chimpanzees and bonobos. Besides, it tastes good. I had to suffocate my mayonnaise. That sucked. <laughs> they washed out after that. Probably from all the grease. This day in history, August 20th, 1911. Just like the pistol. All right. Uh, this first one, yeah, I thought was kind of neat. Uh, first time a telegram is sent around the world. So, yeah. Uh, the dispatch office of the New York Times sent the first commercial service-based telegram around the world. It was a warm Tuesday evening with the sun slung low in the sky. And it took just 16.5 minutes for the words, this message sent around the world to travel the 28,000 miles. Um, yeah, the message traveled the wires from operator to operator. Uh, it left from New York, then hit San Francisco before going across the Pacific, to the Philippines, then Hong Kong, down to Saigon, across to Singapore, Bombay, Malta, Lisbon, the Azores, and a few other places. Man, man, oh, man. Damn. Yeah. So, so sounds like a big global conspiracy. Man. <laughs> They're all talking about you. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a little throw forward here. On the same day, 66 years later, another message would begin traveling a great distance in 1977. So, um, throwing forward about three seconds, um, this day in history. 
<laughs> Voyager 2 is launched. Oh. Mm. So, uh, V'ger, excuse me, Voyager. Two. That was that was, V'ger was was Voyager six, which never launched. Oh, I can <laughs> I can hope it hasn't launched yet. They could they could always start it back up. That's true. Oh my gosh, make it come true. <laughs> Star Trek reference for those of you who are lost. Yeah. Oh, there's more coming. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so Voyager two, it's a. Uh, about 1600 pound space probe that was launched by nasa to study the outer solar system and eventually uh, traveled to interstellar space it was actually launched a couple weeks before voyager 1. luckily voyager 2 was sent on a slightly different trajectory and it arrived at jupiter and saturn after voyager 1 thus clearing up the confusion for the slightly slower people among us Uh, so this whole thing was conceived in the 1960s uh, a grand tour proposal to study the outer planets prompted NASA to begin work on a mission in the early 1970s. Voyager 2 started its life actually as a Mariner 12, but due to governmental budget cuts, the craft was reassigned to the Voyager mission and its scope was greatly widened. This craft used the then new technique of gravity assist to use the gravity of a planet, the planet as it passed by to help slingshot itself much faster than it had been previously traveling. See Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home if you want to see this technique in action. Ooh, good reference. <laughs> Thank you. Because whales. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Carl Sagan, both Voyager space probes carry a gold-plated audio-visual disc in the event that either spacecraft is ever found by intelligent life forms from other planetary systems. The disks carry photos of the Earth and a few of its life forms, a range of scientific information, spoken greetings from people from around the world, including the president, and a medley that includes some sounds of whales, a baby crying, waves breaking on a shore, and a collection of music including works by Mozart, Blind Willie Johnson, and Chuck Berry's Willie Fuck and Chuck Berry's Johnny B. Good. Um there's also Eastern and Western classics and uh, other ethnic performers on there. Uh, interesting little tidbit. The record was sealed in an aluminum jacket that would keep it intact for one billion years, so they say. Uh, okay, now say it like Sagan. One billion years. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I applaud you, sir. <laughs> Along with instructions on how to play the record... With a cartridge and needle provided. That's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, I'll work on that. It's been a long time since I've seen. Uh, okay. Anyways, uh, the Voyager probes were our best source of information on uh, other planets in our sol- solar system for decades. And in fact, did you know that Jupiter has a moon named Queef? Well, it doesn't. But you didn't fucking know that. <laughs> it does, however, have a moon named Io. And it was on Io that we found the first active volcanism on a planet that was not Earth. Yep, fucking active volcanoes. Nice. Together, the Voyagers observed the eruption of nine different volcanoes on Io. And there is evidence that other eruptions occurred between the two Voyager flybys. So, right now, the Voyager 2 has been operating... uh, As of this date, for 37 years, 11 months, and 31 days... AKA 38 years. Exactly. Um, the deep space network is still receiving its data transmissions and 
uh, Voyager 2 is expected to keep transmitting weak radio messages until at least 2025, over 48 years after it was launched. Holy crap. Right? Way to go, humankind. Fucking A. It's expected to enter interstellar space within a few years of 2016, and its plasma spectrometer should provide the first direct measurements of the density and temperature of the interstellar plasma. So, last little tidbits that I, I found was, you know, just kind of cool here. Uh, when the craft swung around Neptune and Triton, the craft was angled around 30 degrees off of the horizontal plane of the solar system. So, not like it was really heading towards anything in particular before, but now it's kind of at a 30 degree angle down. So it's kind of like veering mm. off and down away from us. Uh, so yeah, it's not headed per toward any particular star. <clears throat> Although in roughly 40,000 years, it should pass about 1.7 light years from the star Ross 248. And if undisturbed for 296,000 years, Voyager 2 should pass by the star Cirrus at a distance of 4.3 light years. Hmm. That is so cool. Yeah, it's only going to travel for another 300,000 fucking years. <laughs> and this day in history, the year 2004, a giant tow truck parade rolls into the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah. So, um... <clears throat> 83 tow trucks roll through the streets of Wenatchee, Washington, in an event arranged by the Washington Tow Truck Association. The Guinness Book of World Records dubbed it as the world's largest parade of tow trucks. 83 of them. Woo. Amazing. So, They'll make a record out of anything. They really will. Uh, unfortunately, this record did not stand, and too bad Guinness doesn't keep track of like all the intermediate ones that I could find, but... Currently, according to Guinness, the largest parade of tow trucks consisted of 324 tow trucks and was organized by Worldwide Equipment Sales Tow Trucks for Tots, USA. <laughs> the trucks participated in a parade from Joliet to Bridgeview, Illinois, USA on the 13th of November, 2011. Tots, ha tots have no business riding a tow truck. They have all the business getting run over by them, though. Oh, <laughs> that's oh. See, that happens sometimes. That's no too soon in my fantasy mind. If it's always happening, then it's then it's always too soon. So fuck it. It's it's never soon enough, or something. Oh, uh, or on, something. On that sad note, <laughs> I, I think it's time for a quick break and then science. We love hearing from our listeners. You can email us at contact at atheistnomads.com, tweet us at atheistnomads, send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash atheistnomads, or better yet, call us and leave us a message at 541-203-0666. We might even play it on the show. You can also help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast directory of choice. And now for your moment of science. Science, science, science. Um, today we're going to be focusing a little bit more on the ocean. I know you guys just could not get enough of Shark Week. So we're going a little different this one? time, though. We're getting away from the vertebrates. Today we're talking invertebrates. Yay. Those spineless bastards. Those spineless, <laughs> glorious bastards. Um, the first one is going to be based on cephalopods. And we all know how much people love cephalopods because you can get little knickknacks of 
octopuses and squids all over the place now. According to a recent article in Nature, so scientists have recently mapped an octopus genome, the California two-spotted octopus, and what they found was a shock, to say the least. They have found that an octopus genome is almost the same size as the human's. Compared to other cephalopods, that's like four, four times larger than the next most intelligent cephalopod. Wow. So it's huge. It's huge. Um, and what they found was that what caused this to happen was that there were things called gene families that were much bigger in the octopus than there was in anything else. Uh, so just to give you a quick lowdown on what a gene family is, because I didn't know. A gene family is a group of similar genes that are duplicated from a single primary gene. So we're talking like embryology kind of stuff. Um, thus, their biochemical functions are similar. So you have a group of genes that all have a basically the same function. And the largest that we know of today uh, is the elephant's olfactory gene family. And if you can imagine how long an, uh, an elephant's nose is, that gives you a really good idea of how big a gene family is and how much it contributes to an animal's hmm. various functions. I have absolutely no idea how long an octopus's nose is. The Elephant. Elephant's nose. Oh. Elephant's olfactory genes is the largest at like 22,000 genes. The next largest one that we found is the two-spotted octopus with 1,800 genes. Those genes, that gene family, is called the zinc finger transcription factors. They also call protein families since most of gene expressions that, are, um, that they're talking about result in protein th synthesis. So the more olfactory genes you have, the more olfactory cells you'll have, and the bigger nose you'll have. Uh, the genetic study of the California two-spotted octopus shows that the genetic makeup like most mollusks, except for these two expansive gene families that are kind of closer to being humanoid than cephalopod. Mm. The first is the protocadherins, the gene family that is in charge of neuron development and short-range communication. So basically, neurons that have shorter, uh, shorter dendrites and axons will be able to communicate faster. And so that's where you start to get into high intelligence and quick re uh, reflexes and stuff. Unlike the vertebrate spinal cord that relies on long peripheral neurons to reach limbs, the octopus's limbs are controlled by short relay neurons, giving each limb its own brain to taste, feel, and react. You may have seen this in news articles where um, if an octopus's arm is removed and then a piece of food is placed near it, the arm, the arm by itself, because it's been removed, will go towards the food and try to grab it. Yeah. And that is because the sheer number of genes uh, involved... Uh, makes this an incredibly complex structure. Uh, 168 genes are involved in this neural network, almost twice as many as uh, the average vertebrate. So, wow! Not only are octopuses more intelligent at like at whole, but a single limb is literally more intelligent than most things that are swimming around it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is crazy. Uh, the second gene family is called the zinc finger transcription factors, um, of which they have the 1,800 genes versus the elephant's, you know, 2,200. So I didn't get into as much about what the zinc finger transcription factors did, but basically it all results in protein uh, synthesis. And the zinc finger ones are more to do with how the octopus perceives um, 
surrounding environment and adapts to it. So when you're thinking uh, color change, uh, if, when, if it makes it go from smooth to spiky, uh, camouflage stuff, that, that's all, that's 1800 genes. That's a lot. I mean, wow. the average human, I mean, eye color is a set of, it's a handful of genes, like six genes or something. These guys have 1800 just to be able to change the way they look. It is super cool. That and is it, nuts. Another reason to love octopi or octopuses, either is a correct. Or tacos. Or taco. Never order taco in Japan. <laughs> oh. Oh. It is really good. good, actually. It's just if you're expecting a tortilla and you get a plate of, oct- like, still suckers attached octopus, it might make you a little queasy. <laughs> um, the second bit of ocean-going awesomeness that we found uh, is being called the spaghetti monster. The flying spaghetti monster from under the water. As I like to say, a spaghetti monster from 4,000 feet under the sea. An oil exploration uh, ROV caught a video of this awesome creature called the Bathyphysiconifer. At first glance, this creature looks like a bowl of noodles that's been turned upside down and is just kind of floating in the water. <laughs> but if you look really closely, what it is is actually a colony of what are called zooids. And those are small, single-purpose organisms that work together to get the entire organism to survive. Um, the longest arms, if you ever look at this photo, it's really cool. It's got these long little thread-like arms that go along the, the gravel, sandy floor. And those are in charge of picking up food, kind of siphoning up the food. It looks like angel hair pasta. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. um, at the top of uh, the creature is a balloon. And that helps, that acts as a flotation device. It helps keep it right right where the little things can touch the ground, but the main body is up in the water. Um, and each one of these things is made up of different groups of these zooids. So there's a single kind of zooid that does the arms, a single kind of zooid that is a part of the balloon. Um, another one that's used for sexual organs and another kind that's using for digest- digestive organs. So it's really amazing. It would be like an ant colony, but if ants were completely different creatures and only had one function. <laughs> well, they do only have one function. But, well, a little bit more specialized than what ants yeah. are known to do. I mean, there are worker ants, there are soldier ants, but this would be like, okay, this ant will only eat, and the food it eats will go to the rest of the colony. Well, the workers, they go out and they gather and process food so that that's two different things you see how weird this is <laughs> yeah it's totally weird so the fact that it was referred to as the flying spaghetti monster was pretty awesome i say that it has truly blessed us with this noodly appendages <laughs> ramen ramen and that's it for science all right we are going to take another quick break and we will be back with politics and religion As a listener of the show, I'm going to assume you love my sexy vocal stylings. If you love the rest of the show as much as my voice, consider giving us the resources we desperately need to purchase quality cocaine and Red Bull. We make it super easy to make a one-time donation or to support us on a per-episode, monthly, or even annual basis using PayPal or Patreon. Find out more at AtheistNomads.com. Use the links on the right side of the page. A dollar an episode is all we ask. A fourth Bangladeshi atheist blogger, Niladri Chatterjee Nilroy, has you been brutally that. thank you. 
has been brutally murdered. And this has received the attention uh, from the nation's inspector general of police, Shahid. Shahidul Haku, Haku uh, while he has condemned the killings and said that the murderers should be brought to trial and has said that any blogger or freethinker can ask the police for protection if threatened, he also pointed out that hurting religious feelings is a crime punishable by 14 years in prison and that one whose feelings have been hurt should contact the police and file a complaint. He doesn't seem to realize the fact that he doctrines of any religion hurt the feelings of any others, like a Muslim saying that Jesus was a prophet could hurt the feelings of Christians, and Christians saying that Muhammad wasn't a prophet would hurt the feelings of Muslims. And, you know, while this, this you know, asking them to file a complaint is better than butchering people, it is sad that, the Bangl- that Bangladesh is running their country like a playground where you can get a lengthy timeout for hurting someone's feelings. Well, I kind of say 14 years is better than getting killed. Yeah. Now, was that translate? I mean, was that actually hurting feelings is a crime or is it blasphemy? Hurting religious sentiments. Oh, poor little religious people. Yeah. And actually in the exact words of Haku, According to laws, if anyone hurts one's feelings, he will be punished by the law. Well, Bangladesh is kind of special. I mean, they don't really... They're not like the rest of the world. <laughs> I mean, we watched that... What was that little YouTube channel called? Oh, uh... Geography, Geography Now. Geography Now about Bangladesh. And it really is kind of like a playground. A very special playground. With some of the highest population density in the world and highest rate of flooding in the world. Well, no wonder they're religious. They got floods. <laughs> God is very angry with them. Always. It must be because all the gay people in San Francisco. Yeah. That's why they get flooded. His aim is just so, so off. <laughs> now, at least it's getting a little better with California being burning all over. <laughs> On fire. In all of the non-gay areas. <laughs> On fire! <laughs> and moving to another enlightened country, Uh-oh. a now 11-year-old girl in Paraguay has given birth to a healthy 3-kilo girl. That's about 6.6 pounds. Isn't that Not like bad. one stone? <laughs> oh, God. She was 10 and already 22 weeks pregnant when her mother took her to the hospital for abdominal pain. They both wanted an abortion something that just about everyone in the world outside of this mostly Catholic country supported, but could not because Paraguay or it because in Paraguay, a woman or preteen girl can only get an abortion if her life is in danger. Even if the pregnancy was because she was raped by her stepfather and she's 10 fucking years old. And this isn't unusual for the country where there were 684 births to girls between 10 and and 14 last year. Well, I guess if it's kind of a common thing, then they probably shouldn't have even expected to have been granted an abortion. But, uh, Paraguay, come on! 10 isn't safe. No, that much sexual assault on young girls isn't safe. Yeah. That's the problem. By safe, he means uh, possible, you know, to kill her when she's giving birth. 
Oh, the, yeah. the risk of, of complications or, or death is so much higher that young. Well, yeah, absolutely. But the core of the problem is still the fact that these men are abusing these young girls and it's kind of common. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. if that's just eight, 684 births, imagine the not births or the hidden abortions, miscarriages, so on. That's a lot of abuse. And Paraguay should probably step up on that. Yeah. Yeah, step up on... Oh, wait. Did you say mostly Catholic country? Yes. Never yes. mind then. <laughs> yeah. And I actually uh, did look up on the stats. We've had three downloads since switching over to Libsyn a year and a half ago from Paraguay. Hmm. I'm sure the people who are listening are just as frustrated as we are. More people in Paraguay need to listen to this show. <laughs> Somebody in Paraguay needs to listen to the show. Yeah, seriously. We also have really cool conversations about ligers, so <laughs> tune in. Ah, and Mike Huckabee uh, was, was asked about this story, and using the logic of two wrongs don't make a right, and his very staunch view that clumps of human cells need legal protection, he told CNN on Sunday... That he would have made the girl give birth. And if he believes that that is a life, I think that that is kind of his right to to say such a thing. Yes. But that's not how the world works. I, I would agree that if he believes that, yeah, he has the right to say that. He's running for president <laughs> and actually doing relatively well in the polls. Oh, no, he's not. Trump is well Trump's above. doing far better than everybody else, but Huckabee's still hanging in there. What is he like number five? I thought he. I, I didn't think. Uh, he was I, don't know. I think I heard three. three recently. Actually, when it comes to the GOP uh, swimming pool of idiots that is currently running, it doesn't matter what number you are. It's either number one or none. I mean, honestly, Scott has the best chance, but don't. But uh, Trump won't is still be Bernie. Huh? Oh, Bernie! Bernie's a man. Sorry, we're not, are we not supposed to endorse on the show? Uh, Bernie but Sanders we, for president, 2016. We are not. <laughs> Wesley, you suck. I got you busted. <laughs> You're in so much trouble now. I Let me continue that sentence. Oh. We are not a not-for-profit. Yep. We can say whatever the hell we want. Goddamn right, we're not a church. Okay. Now, if we were like or, the... Or a, a tax-exempt atheist community. Wesley. We are not, ta not tax-exempt. We are not sponsored by Idaho Atheists, Humanists of Idaho, Humanists of Washington, or any other 501c3 organization. Yeah, those cheap bastards. Nobody but our <laughs> kind, loving, amazing listeners uh, give us money. Yeah. And only Aww, the it's like ones. you're being supported by the, like, the grassroots campaign, just like Bernie Sanders. Yes. Yeah. And not those big oil companies like Idaho Atheists. <laughs> but, but if I joke, a big oil I joke. Company, Hey, if there's a big oil company that want to give us money, I wouldn't say no. Where's yeah, you get big... on that. You get that some of that Seattle money. Hey, I want I want some of that big pharma money. Come on. Oh, <laughs> you think that's real? Big pharma money? Uh, yeah. Oh, pharma. I thought yeah. you said farmer. No, big pharma money like Todd Stiefel. Well, or the people who no. make Paxil. The Stiefel Freethought like, The Stiefel no. Freethought Foundation is uh, funds a lot of the atheist world. Sure, but I'm talking no, about we need to get endorsed companies. by people who make antidepressants. Yeah, I find a lot of That's atheists are on medication. I would also be happy to be endorsed by an electronic cigarette company. Yeah, 
Sure. Give us give us vape gear. Kanger. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of Kanger. Vape stores sponsor us. How about a place yeah. that like delivers food? Ooh. Domino's. There we go. And speaking of places, at least sell things, at least Papa John's. Yeah. Uh, what Papa guys, John's? Are you kidding me? That's speaking the only place of, that puts artichokes on a pizza around here. Speaking of, of places, hold that on, sell hold things. on. No, I have to hash this out. <laughs> have you gone? Have you looked at the politics behind Papa John's? He is one of those people that like was supporting Proposition Eight and was going to fire employees if the health care law was passed. I know, but his don't support are, Papa John. It's it, his his time has passed. Prop Eight did failed, so fuck it. Still a dick. He dick is. Pizza. His pizzas are tasty. Learn to make your own is probably much more satisfying. <laughs> and speaking of places that sell things, <laughs> after getting some complaints over girls building sets. Target has decided the days of girls' toys and boys' toys and bedding have passed. Woo! After all, there are girls who want building sets and boys who want easy-bake ovens. And they will be removing as much of the gendered signage and color coding as possible. And conservatives, of course, are outraged. Well, how am I going to tell which underwear are like boys and which are girls? Uh, They are going to be leaving clothing gendered. Exactly. Sorry, this is a GOP yes. comment that I heard. And also, when it comes to down to clothing, for hmm. babies and toddlers wearing diapers... Who gives a fuck? There's no need for a difference. Not really. Just color preference at that time, at that point. Yeah. Kids, God, they're freaking colorblind, aren't they? As they see in primary colors. Once the, the diapers come off, then yeah, different pants might be a good idea. And it's not like a not like a young boy's junk is that big. It doesn't really matter. You can kind of stuff it in there wherever you want to. And I like to call them tiny tykes. You don't need <laughs> girls specific shirts for girls until what eight, nine, ten, twelve. Basically, it would be based on the kids' preference for um, the characters that are printed on said shirts. Yeah. So uh, most likely, boys yeah. would like Superman, but there's yeah. a lot of girls out there who like Superman too. Uh huh. And there's I, boys who like Wonder Woman and and freaking My Little Pony. I did oh, yeah. have Don't a, a set of Superman underoos. Just putting that out there. Sweet. And John Oliver from Last Week Tonight with John Oliver has looked into televangelists and other purveyors of the prosperity gospel who encourage people to give them as much, quote, seed money as possible in exchange for healing or wealth. This was the best 20 minutes I've, I've spent today was watching this. Yeah. 20 minutes, five seconds, and it is amazing. And the link is in the show notes. Stop <laughs> as soon as we're done talking about it or even just right now and, and watch it. Yeah. Uh, one, one of these, these uh, televangelists even went as far as to encourage people struggling with credit card debt to put a donation of $1,000 to him on their cards. Sure. And he promised that God would then wipe out their debt load. Oliver went as far as to correspond with one, exchanging many letters with his ministry, each extorting more and more money out of him. Total was somewhere in the you know three hundred dollar range. Yeah, that was a uh, uh, Tilton, the old school eighties yeah. guy that's yeah. still around. And so then Oliver, of course, had to look into the rules since these are tax exempt ministries that can buy jets. And mansions 
and the donations to them are tax deductible, and he found out that it's easy. So now he has started his own, the Church of Our Lady of the Perpetual Exemption. It's based out of Texas. Not the, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he did a he did some checking. Uh, there was only one church in 2014 that was inspected by the IRS and two of them in 2013. And those are like the only ones. Yeah. In in recent me- memory. And he in his application didn't even hide the whole belief was to get tax exemption. No, but he actually had a tax lawyer help him with all that, so uh-huh. you know, he was, you know, legit about it. Legit and forthcoming. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a church now. <laughs> a website and a toll-free number. You can call and donate if you want to. <laughs> yep. And don't forget, Stephen Colbert has a super pack. Oh, God. I wonder if that's still going. <laughs> and finally for the news... Recently, a a local school in France made a rule change that would no longer require having alternatives to pork in school lunches. This rule was challenged, and a court upheld the rule. Muslim leaders, including the nation's education minister, yes, she is a Muslim, have protested, noting that they have never requested halal meat in cafeterias. And I'm actually not happy about this one. Why would you be? It's a dick move. <laughs> yeah. This is really a dick move. Uh, you know, I've been a religious person who didn't eat pork for religious reasons. And while I did go to Adventist schools where all the food was vegetarian, it would really suck, especially if you're poor, to have the only meals available at school being meals that you can't eat. Well, you know this is france and it's not like they haven't been harsh in a way against uh, especially muslims in the the recent years uh didn't they have like the the burqa ban Mm -hmm. out in public recently i think that's still 10 years ago isn't that still a thing yeah okay yeah they don't allow headscarves or yarmulkes in schools you know in general I'm actually fine with that, but in practice, eh, I mean, it's going to keep the people, those people that are in those really constricted uh, places, houses, relationships in their house, keep them from going out and getting exposed to all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And as far as the school lunches go, it's more than just Muslims. This would be hurting. It's Jews. It's Adventists. It's hindus jains vegetarians and the easiest option that makes everybody happy have a vegetarian alternative every day and if the concern is budgeting find out who needs the alternative and then you can plan for it yeah it's a little bit of extra work to figure out how much of which you need to have but it's not like they'd have to have all wouldn't have to have alternatives for kids with food allergies it's it's just it's ridiculous and it's it's a real dick move. Ah, god damn. <laughs> I'm back now. Do you do you have anything you want to add on this one? Uh are we angry or happy about it? I'm angry about it. Wesley is being rather quiet about it. <clears> oh, <throat> uh, uh-huh. let's see here. 
No, no, I would say that that's ridiculous. Um, let's say, so if an entire meal is made up of pork, and you don't want pork because of reasons other than religious problems, which I have lots of friends who do, they, they think pigs are intelligent, they don't want to eat the meat. Um, yeah, no, that's a dick move. And then also it is, France has been blazing the trail of just making prejudice against religious groups mainstream and a really basically just muslims and yeah i was talking about that about the burkism yeah. yeah no the government shouldn't has no business uh legislating prejudice i mean this yeah. is just one school what i'm kind of guessing is sure there's some muslim backlash with that uh but i also think that it's probably just uh one food contractor that's getting you know giving kickbacks to the principal or something like here just <laughs> here's my food don't serve anybody else's that's, know, I, oh I, surprise I, it all has pork in it no <laughs> i mean yeah. that's possible well i could also imagine some bigot some uh because france does have a, a rising uh neo-nazi mm. um movement a neo-nazi saying oh we can fuck over all of these jews and muslims by and those crazy vegetarians Let's just make every meal pork <laughs> and fry it all in lard. Yeah. I mean, they'd, they'd have to have vegetarian alternatives, right? It doesn't they sound like it. have had them. Now, if they are leaving the vegetarian option in place, then there is an alternative to pork. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think, I don't know. The way you have it worded leaves it a little blurry. Yeah. Kind of specify maybe because that's really common to have a vegetarian alternative, and that's I think totally fair and is probably actually really good for kids <laughs> because there's a lot of kids out there who really don't need another slice of bologna. <laughs> but this is definitely being portrayed more as an anti-Jew, anti-Muslim. Okay, so the paragraph that deals with vegetarian is vague. It says, this is from the, the article in the Washington Post, uh, the pork ruling was reportedly based on procedural grounds and lawyers from the Muslim Council may still appeal it. It ad addressed a tradition for many years of offering alternatives to pork in public school lunches along with vegetarian meals, which it doesn't specify are the vegetarian meals gone as well? Hold on. No, no, I don't think... With that comma there, <laughs> okay, it, it all depends on how this journalist wrote it, mm -hmm. but um, they're making it sound like there's a vegetarian option, there is the daily meat option, but there's not a daily non-pork meat, specifically. If one day's beef, that's fine. If the next day's pork, there's no beef or chicken for you to choose from. It's just vegetarian now. And that's, I think that's kind of fair. That's all right. If that is what it is, I am, I am okay with it. And, you know, back in my, my background, not eating pork, if pork was the only option, there was almost always a vegetarian option anywhere and I wouldn't like it, but I'd take it. That's kind of one of the things about having those kind of lifestyles is you learn to live with the alternatives. Mm -hmm. Unless you're in a place where people like you are the majority and then that's the only choice or you just tell the kid that the pork is actually beef yeah you can tell the difference oh. <laughs> you can really tell the difference especially if it's 
put you something in had it put much. something in stewed tomatoes you know you won't be able to tell the difference not until you start <laughs> it's true anything it. in stewed tomatoes is pretty much mystery meat true <laughs> mm. all right that's it for news and we have feedback from at jcc ford that's jason ford on twitter at atheist nomads excessive punctuation aside i was just excited about dr zach being on the podcast it isn't my fault you folks get cool people. <laughs> and this one was all me. Almost all of the other guests are all Wesley. Yeah, sorry about that. Or no, thank actually, you. Actually, good job, Wesley. You get some pretty cool people. Yeah. <laughs> hey. You really that's do. What, that's what happens when you just ask people. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those crazy things where when people get a chance to talk about themselves... You want me to speak about myself? Really? Suddenly they won't shut up. And asking people to promote their book, website, or organization, who's going to pass up on free advertising? Yeah. Yeah. It, it works out well. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can always email us at contact at atheistnomads.com. Call us at 541-203-0666. Tweet us at Atheist Nomads. Or hit us up on Facebook. Uh, 666. I got it. <laughs> yep. I, I, there was like the third or fourth area code I tried to find one that had a 666 available in Google Voice. And just side note, one of our um, local atheists here went to Jack in the Box and the order total was $16.66. And mm-hmm. the guy couldn't say it at the window. <laughs> uh, the computer that I am recording on right now cost me. $666 and that was at just about the same time that my debit card number got stolen so the charge was declined I had to call the bank and they the lady I was talking to was going through the charges was this you and the one for 606 600 and some dollars Oh, goodness. <laughs> and I was like, 666? Yes. Yes, that was me. Like, nope, it wasn't me. Yes, Better that, take that was me. Too. Yeah. And if you want to support us, uh, oh, we need a Patreon needs to allow cents so we can have a 666 level. <laughs> if you would like to donate $666 to us via pay- <laughs> PayPal or Patreon, feel free to. Mm-hmm. That way you can get around those pesky cents. Then yes. we'll have to go from bronze, gold, platinum, nuclear, satanic sponsor. Yep. Uh, actually, that person could just be the devil. Okay. I like Straight it. up. That person could be a guest on our show. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. And if, if you want to, yeah, so PayPal, Patreon, you can find out more on the website. And we will be back next week with another interview. Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find us online at www.atheistnomads.com. Contact us at contact at atheistnomads.com or leave us a voicemail message at 541-203-0666. You can also like us on Facebook or leave us a review on iTunes, Zoom, or wherever else you find the podcast. Until next time, this has been the Atheist Nomads.